Amen. Good morning, church. I trust that we are all doing well. Amen. We are alive. And it's a blessing. God's faithfulness are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning as we come before your word. We pray that today your Holy Spirit, who is the great teacher, the author of the scriptures, will breathe life. We thank you that we have an opportunity to study at your feet again on who you are, letting in your lordship in our lives. We thank you, O Lord, that may you become real in our lives as we go through the book of John. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, church. Uh, we are very honored to start our series again. We are kicking off with volume four on our series, the book of John, the Lordship of Christ, amen. So far, we are done with 13 chapters. And today we move on to chapter 14. So I want you to open your Bibles with me to John chapter 14. And let's look at verses 1 to 4. John chapter 14, verses 1 to 4. And this morning I'm speaking on what I call the great hope. The great hope. Amen. Now, in chapter 13... The last time we touched on, uh, we concluded that chapter 13 is the Thursday before Jesus died. It was said that Jesus died on a Friday. So th uh, the Thursday was when he had what it's normally called as the Lord's Supper or the Last Supper. The Last Supper meaning the last meal he had with his disciples before he died. You know, John John sort of becomes the gap filler for Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they, they just talked about some things, but John decided to fill gaps in between the Thursday and the Friday when Jesus died. So when you read John chapter 13, right up to chapter 17 or chapter 18, because chapter 17, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. Be between chapter 13 to chapter 16, a lot happened. That's the conversations. Jesus talked a lot. In fact, if you read it carefully, most of the words are in red. So that's Jesus talking. You know, he, he spends his time just pouring out his heart out to his people before he took on the most important task of his ministry. That's the ministry of reconciliation. And what does it mean to reconcile? It means to abridge a relationship uh, that was once broken. And Jesus had to do that. He had to stand in the gap between us and God so that he will abridge the relationship by becoming the perfect sacrifice for our sins. This was the most important task now. It was, it was very much at hand. And, and Jesus was just talking with his disciples and he was telling them his heart, what was very important. 
there's a popular saying that the words of a dying man are very important. Uh, in this case, I'm, I'm Jesus, he died and he lived again. But before he transitioned from the earth for a temporal means and resurrected, he decided to lay down some very important truths. Uh, now, when I read this, I, I have the picture that they had just finished eating and Jesus was just taking his time to just talk to the people. Now, when you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, these details are sort of missing. Thank God for the book of John. John also doesn't cover everything. He, he also covered some, some things. Uh, um, the, the Matthew, Mark, and Luke covered some things that John didn't cover. I understand what you mean. Like certain conversations and certain things that happened. Matthew, Mark, Luke covered. John didn't cover. But John, I think what he was more interested were the sayings or the teachings that Jesus did. So he didn't also look at certain aspects, but, but he focused more and narrowed it down to this was what Jesus is saying. This is his heart. So this morning, we are just going to look at Jesus' heart before he goes on the cross. This is the Thursday night. We just had dinner before he goes on the cross. What is Jesus saying? And he is going to give them a great hope. This hope forms the bane of our Christian existence, our Christian life, and to an extent, our Christian faith. Amen. So let's read John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. Amen. So at this point, the death of Jesus was no news. All his disciples were in the know. And it was quite troubling because the disciples, they knew Jesus as their all, as their everything. But Jesus just used this opportunity to exhaust them and to comfort them that don't be sad. Don't let your heart be troubled. You know, when you have a dear person that you know who is on the brink of dying, it can be very troubling. It can be upsetting to the soul. But Jesus is letting them know, don't be troubled. Believe God. Believe in me. Jesus is telling them that, put your hope in me. Je Jesus in this place is saying that, I am not man that fails. Put your hope in me. You see, by Jesus saying that, believe in me, he is trying to put himself in the same equation as God. Because the Bible says something in Jeremiah chapter 17. Cursed be the one that puts his trust in the arm of flesh. We are not to trust the arm of flesh. That is Bible. 
if you're a believer, don't trust the arm of flesh. Now, when I say this, it doesn't mean that you have to go around, be very distrusting and be very suspicious of people. But what that simply means is that the trust, the reverence, the confidence that you will give to God, don't extend that to man because man can feel. And that is what that scripture means. It's different from having relationships whereby trust becomes the glue and the binding force by which the relationship works. I hope we can understand that. So the trust that we will have for a deity, let me even use the word deity, the trust that we will have for a supreme being, we should extend that trust to God or to Jesus and not to man. Jesus here is putting himself in the same breath as God. That when you put your trust in me, you are not cursed. You are blessed. Because I am not the arm of flesh. And why is it that when you put your trust in the arm of flesh, you are cursed? You are cursed because the arm of flesh can fill you. If you make man your all, than God being your all, you will be very disappointed. That is a case. But the same trust that you have for God, the same supreme fidelity that you have for a divine being and, and, and the divine creator, Jesus is telling us that extend that same trust to me. And when you extend that same trust to me, you will never be disappointed. So, Jesus here is trying to, quote-unquote, tell his disciples that I am God. You can trust me. The belief that you have for God, the reverence that you have for God, I am exhorting you to put that same amount of reverence in me. I am God. Believe in me. For when you believe in me, I will be the cure to your heart's troubles. Especially when it comes to the area where I am deceased. Because these disciples, they were just about to face the reality of Jesus will die. Now, is he going to be alive or will he resurrect? That is more like a myth. It's borderline between fact or fiction. But Jesus is saying that believe. Believe. Believe in me. Don't let your heart be troubled. Yes, I am your teacher. I am your master. But I will not be gone forever. Believe in me. Don't let your heart be troubled. And let me use this juncture to even say this. If you come to a place where your heart is troubled, believe in Christ. In this world that we live in, there are many sources to heart troubles. In the case of the disciples, it was Jesus about to die. And it was a troubling situation. It's a situation that can make you very unsettled and very uneasy the death of Jesus. The one who was their provider, the one who has given them self-worth, 
the one who has been their teacher, the one who has been their mentor, the one that has shown them unconditional love, the one who has been their sustenance when they left their jobs. Because these disciples, they were not jobless. They all had jobs. But some way, somehow, they were sustained by the brevity of God or by the providence of God. They saw all these things. They believed in who Jesus was. So now that he is going, their hearts troubled. But Jesus also says that, believe in God, believe in me. Now today in this world, sources of troubles vary. It could be the news you are listening to. It could be someone is sick that is giving you a lot of unsettlements and a lot of anxiety. It could be that things may not be going well. It may even have to be with your job. But today, in the same spirit of John chapter 14, verse 1, I came to bring you God's word, which is assuring. Believe in God. Believe in Christ. That is it. Believe in God. Believe in Christ. He's got your back. And when we believe in Christ, he's able to take away our heart's troubles and bring some peace and obviously make sense out of every situation we may find ourselves in. These disciples were at a crossroads. But Jesus looked at them and he said, Believe in God. Believe in me. Christ is the Son of God. It is not just enough to believe in God. Believe in Christ, who is the Son of God, who is our Lord. So this book of John is just exhorting and magnifying Jesus as Lord. It's okay to believe in him. Jeremiah 17, 5 doesn't apply to him. Cares be the one that puts his trust in the arm of flesh. We are not dealing with flesh and blood here, even though he was clothed in flesh and blood. He was divinity. Trust in God. Trust in Christ. Amen. He will bring calm and stillness to the unsettlements and the uneasiness that our hearts is feeling. So I don't know whatever you may be going through. Trust in God. Amen. I feel like this is very important. Look at Psalm 37. It is very important for us to come to a place of stillness. And we can only come to a place of stillness when we trust God. Verse 1, Psalm 37. Do not fret because of evildoers. Don't be anxious. Don't be troubled. Ladies and gentlemen, today the Holy Spirit is speaking to us very expressly and very explicitly through his scriptures. Don't be troubled. Don't be anxious. Don't fret. It is the same command in John chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. You see, this time, in this context, your heart can be troubled because of evil doings or evil doers. And that's why I'm saying that there are many sources why one can experience troubling or unsettlement in his heart. 
In the disciples' case, it was because Christ was about to die. In David's case, it was because of evildoers. In your case, it could be what is happening around your contemporary world. The news. There's going to be a recession. Six to nine months. We are going to enter into the Great Depression. All this can make your hearts become unsettled and be troubled. A time is coming. We are going to have massive layoffs. A time is coming. People will not be able to pay their bills. All these things that when you hear on the social media, on the news, by the experts, it can make your hearts troubled. But the Lord is saying, don't be troubled. I don't care what might be the source of your heart's troubles. Don't be troubled. I believe this word is just enough. Don't be troubled. And then in Psalm 37 verse 1, it says, Or even be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither as the green herb. Verse 3, key word, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. You see, David's exhortation for us to rise above troubles, David's solution to us becoming still and not allowing the troubles to affect our soul and affect our hearts is to trust in the Lord. Does it ring a bell? John, John 14 verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. And that's the same thing Jesus is saying. But now, Jesus goes a step further. Believe in me. Because I am not human. I am divine, just like my father. Believe in me. And when you believe in me, or as David will say, trust in the Lord and good, good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Feed on the faithfulness of God. That's also another way that means to believe in God. Believe in God means that look at his past record. Look at his track record. Feed on his faithfulness. And that alone will be enough sustenance for you to go through any form of adversity, anxiety, or threat you might be experiencing. Therefore, I pray for you this morning that may you experience true freedom. May you experience stillness in the midst of troubles. One day I heard a man of God say that in this world, you have to learn how to trouble your troubles. You see, troubles can do some things. Troubles are either troubling you or you are troubling your troubles. But today, refuse to let troubles trouble you. You should rather trouble your troubles. And how will you be able to trouble your troubles? You should come to a place whereby you are not anxious. You should come to a place where Jesus said that your heart should not be troubled. And how will you come to a place where your heart will not be troubled? Is when you believe in God or believe in the Son who is not a man. David said it right. Trust in the Lord. Do good. Dwell in the land that I have given to you and feed on his faithfulness.
Amen. So when we believe in God, we feed on God's faithfulness. That he has done it before, he's going to do it again. Look, let me tell you something. Don't let any form of news paralyze you to let your heart be troubled. You, you survived a lot. Okay? If you were born in 2000, you've survived a lot. You've survived Y2K. You've survived September 11 attacks. You've survived the threat of anthrax. You've survived mad cow disease. You've survived everything. Hey, you survived COVID. You are still here. Feed on God's faithfulness by believing in him. Let not your heart be troubled. These disciples looked very depressed. I'm sure they had a very morose figure because they are like, man, Jesus is about to die. That is troubling. Where will my next meal come from? Hey, Jesus was a shield from the religious leaders. Now that Jesus is, is about to leave the scene, man, we will be at the mercy of these religious leaders. It's troubling. But Jesus spoke to them in their context that let not your hearts be troubled. And I love the word of God because the word of God can speak to the disciples in their context centuries ago and it is still relevant in our context. In our context, whatever is troubling us, in that same spirit, the Lord is saying, let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me. Believe in me because I am not man. Believe in me because I am divinity. I am the son of God. And thank God for the book of John that made us know that Jesus is not just flesh and blood, but Jesus is God. Believe in him. The only way out of anxiety, the only way that will be able to make our hearts stabilized and fixed, especially in the climate we find ourselves in, is just to believe in Jesus. Say to yourself, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. And, and, and as you begin to confess that, and now you begin to act that anxiety and troubles that seem to unsettle you will begin to dissipate in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, John 14, verse 2. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again, receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know. Excuse me. And the way you know. So now Jesus makes mention of some very interesting things we should take notice of. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. 
So Jesus is talking about his father's house. And he says there are many mansions. In fact, if you look at the Greek word of this word, mansions, it means dwelling places. So Jesus was saying that in my father's house, there are many dwelling places. Many dwelling places. Jesus is unveiling to us the love of God. I find it amazing that God is merciful. Because do you know who Jesus is speaking to? Jesus is speaking to human beings who have sinned against God, who deserve the wrath of God, who deserve judgment. Yet in spite of all this, look at God's heart. He still has many rooms. Many rooms. Why will you have many rooms for people you are upset at? Why will you have many rooms for people who are not the object of your pleasure? Does it really make sense? Because if God truly was angry with man and at man, it should have read like this. In my father's house is a single room. In my father's house is a single dwelling place. Now, these are people who have not warranted God's favor, haven't warranted God's forgiveness, haven't warranted God's acceptance because of sin. But thanks be to God that the Bible says, even whilst we were yet sinners, God still loved us. You see, despite our sin, God was still thinking of us. This is God's heart. God was thinking of having us as part of his dwelling. God was thinking that we will come to a place where we will be united together. Even though we were sinners and we hadn't warranted forgiveness yet, God still thought of us. He thought of our welfare. So right here, this, this verse paints to us a picture of a loving father who never really gave up on us. He still had rooms for us. Will you have room for somebody who has left your house? And the possibility is that he's never even going to come back. Well, this was the story. We were like the prodigal son. We left of our own accord. We became independent out of our own accord. Not under the master's tutelage and not under the master's care. Does the master really have to really have our welfare at heart when we have declared that we are independent and we are on our own? But that was not God. Despite we had gone on the opposite side of the pendulum and, and, and things have swung to its worst, God still prepared a place. God still had room for us. For me, this just doesn't speak to me about God's residence or his abode, but this really speaks to me about his heart. His heart is as big as his abode. 
many rooms. God had many rooms and many chances in his heart to include us. And for this reason, he sent his son Jesus to come and die for us. And the death was going to abridge us. So you see love here, love prevailing. God loves us. Yes, we were sinners. Yes, we had done things that were sinful. Yes, we hadn't warranted his forgiveness, but God was still in the picture preparing room for us because he loved us. It, it, it means that he didn't cut us off. It means that he believed in us. It means that he believed in our future. It meant that our end was not our present reality. He believed in our future. Because if you should look at our present reality, it should have spelt our end. Our present reality is that we are sinners. We've fallen short of the glory of God. Sin has entered into the human race because of one man's sin, Adam. And the penalty of that is death. That was the present reality of humans that Christ was speaking to. He was speaking to people who had faced their present reality and that's death. They should experience separation from God. But Jesus is unveiling the Father's heart to his disciples. That, look, in my Father's house are many rooms. And I am telling you the truth. If it wasn't so, I wouldn't tell you. Ladies and gentlemen, can I share the good news with you, which is our great hope that God, in spite of everything that we had done, he still had reservations for us. He still had a place for us. He had it for us in his heart and then he extended it to his place. God loved us. Irrespective of we have sinned, irrespective of we have broken the commandments and never stopped God our Father loving us and making advanced preparations for us, believing in our future. That, yes, even though we might be dead, we will turn from death to life. Yes, even though our present reality is that we are sinners, we might turn from sinners to the righteousness of God. Even though sin may have made us unclean and had have made us filthy, our sins were like scarlet, but we will become sanctified, we will become cleansed because Christ's blood would have washed us as white as snow. The Father believed in us. He believed in us by making room in his heart for us. It showed how much he loved us. Because of that, he, he had many rooms for us. The good news is God just doesn't want you to know you. He also wants to dwell with you. Listen and listen to me. This is the great hope of Christianity. Christianity. God has not saved us so that we will wear nice shoes. God has not saved us 
so that we will we will we will fall in love with with just nice things and be blessed on this earth. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Driving a nice car is a blessing. Wearing nice clothing is a blessing. Oh, get, get, getting to live in some of the best places is a blessing. But none matches this blessing of God sharing his dwelling place with us. That is the greatest blessing. That is why I call this message the great hope. This is the bane of our Christian experience. Why do we come here to worship God? It is because Christ has seen it fit by his Father's agenda that you and I, we, we will dwell in the place where God our Father dwells. And Jesus is making that known to them. That is why when I die, don't be sad because my death it's, it's a means by which I will go and make sure that my father and I, we will prepare your, your dwelling places. Oh my God. So, so, so that when I resurrect, it, it will be time for us to come home. And now the, the beautiful thing is that what shows that we will have a place with God is that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. That is why he is called the earnest of our inheritance. Ladies and gentlemen, if the Holy Spirit sees a fit to dwell in your hearts, you are good enough to dwell with God in his dwelling place. And that's why we have the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has been given to us to remind us of this promise that we will dwell with God one day in the house of the Father. And Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. Is someone playing with the clock? I can't believe that time is all gone. I couldn't even do anything else. A lot of mercy. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. Let me not rush this. Let me not rush this. Today, we are learning about the great hope. The great hope is that believing in Christ deals with troubles and anxieties of the heart. The great hope is that our Father never gave up on us. And the evidence of that is that He had rooms, He had dwelling places so that he will live with us. It showed the bigness of God's heart, the bigness, how big God's heart is. Even though God hates sin, even though God can't stand sin, yet he loved us who we who were sinful. And for this reason, he sent his son, Jesus. And aren't we glad to know that the great hope is Jesus had to die so that all of us could be seen fit to dwell with him. It's seven minutes to close in. So let me just end it here. The great white hope. The great hope. I just, I just want you to pray. Just thank God. Thank God for his love. Thank him for his love. Thank him for his love. Oh, Lord, we thank you. 
Holy Spirit, thank you for breathing upon your scriptures. We give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you that because of your death, that reconciled us back to God, we are seeing fit to dwell with your Father. Thank you. It's the great hope. It's the great hope. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You didn't judge us by our present reality. Because our present reality is that we were sinners. Our present reality was we deserve to die. Our present reality was we should have incurred the wrath of God. That was our present reality. But you looked at our future. You hoped against hope. Believing that we who were sinners will become the righteousness of God. Believing in us that we who are dead will become alive in Christ. Oh, what love. Thank you. And Father, even though the scripture says that in your house are many rooms, it shows your heart. You had such a big heart for us that it showed in you wanting to dwell with humanity. Thank you. We give you praise. Oh, Father, and we thank you that this is the end of troubles, anxieties in our hearts because we will believe in you. We have read it in Psalm 37. We will trust you, O Lord. We will dwell in the land you have given to us and we will feed on your faithfulness. Thank you. Oh, Lord, we give you praise. You love us. The great hope. You sent your son to come and die so that we will share of this hope which will become a reality. We will dwell with you again when the age is over. Thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your love. Thank you. We give you praise this morning for your word that has come forth. May your word be a blessing to your people. May your word be a blessing to anyone that will hear this. Knowing your heart. Oh, if learned through the scriptures, the heart of the Father revealed. That is to make room so that we could all share in his dwelling place. Lord, we love you. We say thank you. Take glory, Father. Take glory, Son. Amen.